0: Dan nie. Yes, see. see i and I'm uh, I'm <laughs> and I can Engels So you Say ja, of say it. You a I uh, come from the Weinberg Congregation. Spent the weekend with uh, the leaders. We had a wonderful time. God is very good, and uh, at my age, when people say it's nice to have you here, I say at my age, you're happy to be anyway, <laughs> just happy to be here, and uh, it's really a thrill for me to be with you, it's, uh, I love this. You know, in, who, who was born uh, before 1993? 1993. Okay. Okay. Hmm. you just make it or what (laughs) because in 1993 God did an amazing thing he poured his spirit out on churches and this was normal this was normal and I used to do it too but now when I jump when I go up some parts come down (laughs) And when I come down, other parts go up. <laughs> so I, re- I decided it's safer just to stay on terra firma, keep my feet on the ground. But God did, God awakened the church and he poured his spirit out because we become, we become bound to things we've done for a long time, especially in church. I remember when I got saved, before I got saved, I'd go to church and then people would come in and sit in the pew and they'd do this. I thought I wonder what they're saying what they're doing so I said, what they? They said they're said?" They praying I said their lips never moved everybody just and then, and then one hour and after an hour people are doing because it's one hour it's church but you know when you're with Jesus time is time is irrelevant because as Conrad said when you know him there's no greater joy Nothing can satisfy you like the presence of Jesus. And the presence of Jesus comes by the Spirit of God. Because Jesus walked the planet. And then he said to his disciples, my paraphrase, I'm going away guys. But I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to be with you physically, but it's going to be better for you that I go. Because the one I'm going to send is just like me. And he's not just going to be with you, he's going to be in you. Because you see, if Jesus was on the planet now, he'd be in Weinberg. And you guys would be saying, please come and visit us. Jesus, please come. And we'd say, he'd say, no, look, Weinberg is the place to be. I'm just saying. I said once in a preach. I said, we moan at the devil. I said, the devil's probably in Australia. And one guy said, hey, hey, I'm from Australia. So so I said, we'll come and scrum and we'll see who's in charge here. So he came. (laughs) And we had a scrum in the middle of the church then. People were, yes, this is a weird church. But God does these things. And the joy of Jesus is you can't describe it. You can see it. You can visualize it. But when you've tasted of this Jesus and you experience him, this is what happens. You experience him. And I want to speak to you tonight about getting to know the Holy Spirit. I don't usually look at clocks, but there's a clock here now. Half past. Okay. Because I don't want you to get bored. We put a clock in the church that I planted, and one old guy said at the meeting, he said, we don't need a clock, we need a calendar. (laughs) Because he says, lastly, and he lasts. He just goes on and on and on. This is a quote that puts me in my place. It's from a man called A.W. Tozer, one of my heroes, and this is what he wrote. He said this, A major hindrance for God's people is a hardness of heart. Caused by men without the Spirit who preach about the Spirit. A major hindrance for God's people is a hardness of heart caused by men without the Spirit preach about the Spirit. And you see, I can preach about things that I know, but if I preach about things I've experienced, those things have more effect because they belong to me. I've experienced that and I can preach my experience. And the Holy Spirit is not is not is not a, a theology, he's not a cerebral understanding of someone. The Holy Spirit does come to his church for us to experience who God is. He brings experience. We must not be scared of experiences. We don't look for experiences. We don't look for the spectacular. We look for the supernatural. But God has come to his church to bring life. Life. Some churches, you know, they say the dead in Christ are going to rise first. And I'm telling you, some churches are going to go first. Because they'll just do it. There's no life of the Spirit. And we just go through the form of things because we've done it that way for so long. I was born again into a church like that. And the Holy Spirit's introduced to us in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2. And this is what it says. Now the earth was formless. You can't do them. Okay. It's going to be interesting. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So at the beginning of creation, the Spirit of God was present, hovering over the waters. And every new beginning of God begins with the Spirit. When you get born again, Nicodemus was a teacher in Israel. He was a a Pharisee. He came to Jesus and he said to him, we know you're a teacher sent from God. Otherwise you could not do all these miracles. How do I, how do I get connected to you? And Jesus said this to him, you must be born again. And if you know the story, he asked, how does that happen? And Jesus explained to him. A good question to ask people is not, are you a Christian? Is he a Christian? You ask the person, have you received the Spirit when you believed? because you cannot be a christian without having received god by the spirit the apostle paul writes to the roman church and he says this you cannot be a child of god if you don't have the spirit of god because he's the one that awakens you you see i'm not trying to make moral people immoral people moral i'm trying to raise the dead because we were dead I was dead in my trespasses and sins. I've spoken to some dead guys. They say nothing. Because they did. dead. Have you spoken to a dead person? Excuse me. He doesn't answer. they they dead. And when God spoke to us as dead people, we never answered him because we never heard the voice of God. We were dead. And on a day, on a day, he came and he spoke. And he awakened the life, the spirit in us. And suddenly we began to realize this God, this God is to be experienced. I can know him. I don't just have to know about him. I can know him. So the Apostle Paul says that that's what happens when you get, it's like this. It's like a blind man walking into a magnificent palace. And it is ornate. And it's got all the most magnificent things in it. And he walks into the palace and he feels something. He knows there's beauty. He knows there's, there's wealth. He knows there's value. There's something beautiful. But he can't see it. He just senses it. He just senses it. Somebody's trying to explain to him. It's beautiful. You can't imagine. The paintings, there's gold. There's, it's just beauty. But he can't. He, he just senses it. You say, t- send a little kid through that. He'll run through and see everything. But he won't appreciate what he's seeing. Because you see, the Bible says, Jesus said, uh, 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 Paul said, I pray that God will give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. That you will know him and know him better. And you see, that's what Paul prays. The, the kid doesn't appreciate anything. And here's the problem here's the problem the child, the kid, needs wisdom. He needs, to, he, needs to, he needs to know what he's going through. You know, you take a kid and goes, oh, I'm just bored. Because they don't understand. And sometimes you take people by the hand and they don't understand. They need wisdom to understand. The blind man needs revelation. Because he can't see. He needs revelation. Imagine him opening. He's having his eyes opened and he sees the beauty. And he appreciates it. That's what we were like. We need wisdom to appreciate who this God is and what he's done. And we need revelation to see how magnificent and beautiful and perfect he is. Can you say amen? Amen. We must have both in order to get to know him. So the spirit was there in the beginning. In the Old Testament he came upon particular people at particular times for particular tasks. But in the New Testament he came to stay. He came to stay. In the book of John... Um, chapter one, my Bible's even upside down, I'm so organized. I was in Madagascar once with a friend of mine, we went on a ministry trip, and we were in this uh, little port town up north, we were flying back to the, to the mainland, and there was this little airplane landed, and my friend said, do you think that's our flight? I said, probably. And they stopped, and guys got out, and they called us, they said, it's your flight. We got onto the airplane, there were no seats. There's um metal benches, like two on a bench, just a bench. Seat belts, no, nothing. Turn the air, said, sorry, that doesn't work, sir. No air flying through you. So uh, they tried to close the door and they couldn't get the door closed so they were banging it from the outside. And my friend was beginning to worry. And he uh, got more worried when they said, "Ah, we can just go. And it was kind of closed and you could see out the door. And he said, Yeah, we're going to take off. And then the pilot got into the cockpit and he didn't close the door. And he turned around and he said something in French and off we went. And my friend was so nervous, he was reading a French newspaper upside down. <laughs> he, he can't read French, but it was upside down. I said, Pete, the newspaper's upside down. Oh, yeah, Okay. <laughs> And you get nervous with things. You get nervous. You make mistakes. But God is bigger than our mistakes. This is what it says in John chapter 1, verse 32 to 34. John the Baptist. You've heard of John the Baptist. I used to be a Baptist. Um, And we're very proud of the fact that John was a Baptist. It says this, then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit of God come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me this. The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen him and I testify that this is the Son of God. And so John the Baptist was told, the one on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain. So he came to stay. He came to anoint Jesus first. And he came to anoint Jesus for ministry. The Holy Spirit is the supreme gift of the new covenant. Jesus said to the disciples. I want you to go and wait now. In Jerusalem. And this is what he said. I mean, you want to wait for the gift. There are many gifts God gives. Jesus said I want you to wait for the gift. The gift. That the father promised. And the gift that the father promised. Was the, was the Holy Spirit. I want you to go and wait. And if you know the Bible. You know the story. They waited. And what happened tonight. Happened there they were taken by surprise totally by surprise and there was a sound suddenly the Bible says of a rushing wind and they saw tongues of fire and these men came stumbling out like Conrad said and they said die drunk." that's what they looked like they were drunk in the presence of God God had so influenced, so affected them, they looked like they drunken men, they said look the bottle yes is here, so <laughs> and if you're a drunk, and drunk, let me tell you why the Bible says this. Let me give you a little aside. This is for free. If, if, if you go to a drunk guy, and you say to him, they're generous. they give you. They'll give you. You can stand there, you what will you No problem. Drunks, and when you're drunk with the spirit God's got you where he wants you to be and you are generous to the extreme you'll do anything for anybody that's why he said Paul said don't be drunk with wine but be filled with the spirit and he relates being filled with the spirit to being drunk with wine why? because when you're drunk you're not you've got no inhibitions can you say amen? no I don't say amen because then you'll tell me who's been drunk before You've got no inhibitions. You don't care what people think. If people ask you for something, you say, yeah, if I've got it, I'll help you. I can't find my wallet. Really soup for my wallet. Where's my wallet? That's what drunks are like. And he equates being drunk, being filled with the spirit, because that's what they like. No inhibitions. And tonight it's no inhibitions. I wish I could dance and get on with but as I said it's a bit awkward for me now. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 5, I've just described the the day of Pentecost. It says this, in in Acts chapter 2, it says, There were God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Now when Jesus came to the Jewish nation, he disrupted things very badly. He came and he said things like this, You've heard it said, but I tell you, Jesus didn't come and change the law. He came to interpret the law as he knew it should be interpreted. You've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, if you look at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery. He he fulfilled the law and brought in a new thing called grace. And grace is higher than the law. Grace is that... God gives me the ability to walk with him. People say all oh, this tithing thing is an old testament law. My question always is, is grace above the law? They say yes. I said, You shouldn't even give a tenth, you should give twenty, brother. Don't argue about ten. Grace is above the law. And Jesus brought grace and God fearing Jews, they heard and they saw this and they got saved. In Cornelius's house in Acts chapter 10, Peter, Peter's pressing problem was that he fell asleep. Peter fell asleep. Peter was on the roof and he had a vision. And God said to him, Peter, here's the vision. And down came the sheet with all sorts of animals and stuff in. And God said, eat. And Peter said, no, you can't eat. Some of it's unclean. And God said, don't you call unclean what I call clean, Peter. And what the picture was, the vision was this, that Peter was going to go to a house of unclean Gentiles. And God has said to him, prepared him prophetically, don't you say something that's unclean when i call it clean they were god-fearing jews they went to the house of cornelius in acts sorry i'm going to have to find these things in my bible now because the power's out so it was going to come up on the wall and make it it's up where is it there we are now we're talking at Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius go on listen he and his family were devout and God fearing this is a God fearing Gentile so the God fearing Jews have heard it they, at the, on the day of Pentecost in chapter 2 now in Acts chapter 10 Peter gets sent to God fearing Gentiles put up Acts put up 44 to 46 and Peter starts preaching to them now listen to this While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. And the circumcised believers, who were the Jews, who had come with Peter, were astonished that the gift of the Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. The Gentiles were dogs. They were treated as nobody because they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Peter got into trouble in Acts chapter 11, verse 1 to 3. The apostles and the brothers heard that the Gentiles had also received the Spirit of God, the Word of God. So when Peter went to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers, the Jews, criticized him. They said, you went into the house of an uncircumcised man and ate with him. Is he like a male, Peter? You can't do that. These are uncircumcised Philistines. You can't do that. And Peter said this to them in Acts chapter 11, verse 15. He said, as I began to speak. The Holy Spirit came on them. As he had come on us, then I remembered what the Lord had said. "John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift as he gave us, who believed in the Lord Jesus, who was I to think I could oppose God? Now this is the word. When they heard this, they had no further objections. And they praised God, saying, so then God has granted repentance even to the Gentiles. Some hearts and minds are so locked to the realm of the Spirit because we, we try and unlock it by this. We try and unlock it by what we know. You cannot unlock the realm of the Spirit by what you know. Impossible. You can have so many degrees, you look like a thermometer. It won't help you. It's unlocked by who you know. You unlock the spirit realm by who you know. And Jesus, the spirit of Jesus, is the key to unlocking that. And he unlocked the minds and the hearts of the Gentiles. And when Peter said to them, the same thing that happened to us, I was just preaching my translation. And the spirit fell on them. They spoke and they said, well, if that happened, then it must be fine. The spirit. Let me explain this to you. they were were using their their problem in Acts 11 when Peter explained it wasn't a theological problem this was the problem, it was a cultural problem this nation has cultural problems the answer is the power of the Holy Spirit falling on this nation not on our dead churches on churches to awaken them to the reality of God by the Spirit It was a cultural problem, and God resolved it by the Spirit. Because they said, if that happened to them, then who are we to say that they cannot receive this God that we serve? Can you say amen? Amen. That's the hope of this nation. Politicians, we all know that. They've got no chance. Businessmen, you can do your thing. But I'll tell you what. We preach the gospel, and under the power of the Spirit, this will change the nation. That'll change the nation. Can you say amen? The Gentiles receive the Holy Spirit. Christianity is is an experiential faith. I don't just read the book. I don't thread it through my eyeballs and then put it down. I heard about a granny who used to be very good at reading her Bible, and she died. old lady died. There's a great funeral and everything. They found her reading glasses 23 years later in the family Bible. The family never went on with reading because we used to do that now my friends this is living this is the living word when I open this this thing shakes it's got life it speaks to me makes me change changes my understanding changes my heart have you had that change in your life oh you can say but I've, I've, I've read the bible my whole life I've been to church my whole life look here if you're born in a garage it doesn't make you a motor car You've got to get born again. I, I went to church. I loved church as a young man. As a young man, I loved. I was in boarding school. In the morning, we'd go to church. Commemoration Methodist Church in Grahamston. In, in file rank, we'd walk to church. Sunday evening, we'd walk to church. I never heard the gospel. I never heard the good news that Jesus can save me. I just liked being there. There was something nice. Then I left school. And, ah, oh, church. Who wants to go to church? Go to the army of church. <laughs> Then when I was 25, God arrested me. He said, Today, I told him at the camp, my wife, my late wife, got saved. <laughs> and she got saved. Ah, it was so embarrassing. She is crying in the church. I think you see, you take your wife to church and then all this drama, and then there's just drama. <laughs> Tears and drama. I'm standing at the back, embarrassing. Ah, yenna. You know. Now I bring her to church. Now all this, now I've got to put up with this as well. What is going on? Anyway, I get home. Put our little baby to bed, we had a baby. My wife says, I'm gonna have a bath, come and have a chat. She says to me, Lovey, you going to hell? I said, You go to hell, you? I'm going to hell. But she was so the Spirit of God had so moved her. She was concerned for my soul. I want to ask you tonight, have you received the Spirit of God in your soul? Have you been born again? Have you understood the reality that Jesus brings? It's your opportunity tonight. You can make right with God. You can't save yourself. Heard about the Pentecostal pastor walking on the beach, deep in thought, and there was a guy drowning. <laughs> Help in the pastor, He said, thank you, I see that hand. <laughs> That's what the church is like. No, no, I'm not going to say put up your hand. I'm not going to say that. But I'm going to say this to you now. If you have never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need to ask Him to save you from your sin. You owe Him a debt. Sin is a debt. Let me give you an example. This friend of mine committed a heinous crime. He was caught and he was taken to court. And unknown to him when he stood in the dock... The judge was at school with him, but because he's got that fancy wig thing on, you know that, Stewardy? He didn't recognize him, but the judge recognized the man. The trial went. He said, how do you plead? He said, I'm guilty, Your Honor. So he said, well, the sentence, he went to the back. Wait, come back. I'm going to give you sentence. He the sentence is this. It's 10 years in jail. or well, it's a 50,000 to 100,000 rand? Fine, I can't remember. He said, I don't have the money. I've got a wife and two kids. I can't go to jail. He said, sir, you've committed a crime. You've got to pay. The consequences of that is either 100K now or 10 years. He said, sir, please have mercy, have leniency. Please just be kind. He said, I can't. The law says justice has got to be applied. Then the judge stood up and he took his wiggy thing off. And this guy looked, he said, Judge. And he came down, came and stood in front of the dock. And he said to him, I'll pay the fine for you. He said, No, no, bro, you can't. He said, I'll pay the fine for you. He said, Then what happens to me? He said, You go free. That's what Jesus did. We've got a debt. That we owe to heaven and it's called sin and jesus the perfect spotless sinless lamb of god came to this planet and gave his life to pay for sin and all you have to do is own that say jesus you paid it my guilt my my All the the stuff that goes around in my heart, the the unforgiveness that I carry, all the the horrible things that I've thought and done with people. You're going to forgive me? I'll forgive you. And you know what? I've paid for you. Does that mean that everything gets blotted out? It means you go free. And Jesus turns a page in your life and says, Today, it's a new day. For that man, he walked free. The crime he had committed was still a crime but it was paid for by somebody else. That's what Jesus does. And if you have never asked Jesus to save you, to rid you from guilt and fear and anxiety and worrying about the future, what's going to happen to me? I'm not certain. Where where am I going to go when I die? Are you sure? Now I'm going to go to heaven. Why is Jesus going to let you in? Jesus said there's no other way. I am the way and the truth and the life no one I looked up the Greek word for no one it says no one no one no one comes to the Father except through me now you hearing the message you say but what about those that haven't heard don't about, about those that haven't heard you've heard tonight tonight you make a decision for him and you know what it will change your whole life for better I would like you after the meeting to come and talk to me if you want to talk further, or you can speak to De Snorman. God will change your life. I'm carrying on. In Acts chapter 17, Paul, the apostle, is in Athens. He's preaching the gospel. In Athens, he finds the city with all sorts of unknown gods and funny strange things and this is what it says what he does a group of epicurean stoic philosophers began to dispute with him listen to what it says some of them asked what is this babbler trying to say others remarked he seems to be advocating foreign gods they said this because paul was preaching the good news about jesus and the resurrection next all the athenians and foreigners who lived they spent their time doing this is what they did they did nothing. They talk about listening to the latest ideas. That's what They debate. They deb- we are you know, of the upper class, you know, and we just talk about things and we decide whether we like it or not. You know. And who's this clown, Paul, coming to preach this kind of message? Foreign God, you know. We've got our gods. Have you spoken to people like that? I have. He said, what gives you the right to speak to me about your God? I said, he does. I've got no right, but he's God. Next one. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, We want to hear you again. Oh, this is interesting. Oh, we'll, we'll, give it a, we'll consider it. We want to hear you again. At that Paul left the council. Is that all you've got? Paul left the council. He'd he tried to explain to them. He tried to use his and the apostle Paul, one of the most learned men in the Bible. One of the most learned men. He could argue you into a corner, my friend, that you wouldn't know which way to look. And these guys were arguing with him. After Athens, he goes to Corinth. And when he goes to Corinth, this is what he says when he writes to the Corinthian church. After Athens, this is what he says. When I came to you, brothers, when I came to you. Remember, he'd just been in Athens. Now he goes to Corinth. When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on man's wisdom but on the power of God he tried it in Athens he said uh uh-uh. uh I'm wasting my time. I'm going to go to Corinth. I'm going to tell them by the power of the Spirit. Now, you might say, yeah, but the Corinthian church was a wally church. He was only starting to write to them. When I came to you, this is what I came with. They were full of all sorts of stories, the Corinthians. Paul actually said to them, some of your meetings do more harm than good. Imagine him coming here and saying to Kondrat, listen, Kondrat, your meetings do more harm than good. That is a rebuke of note, but he came not telling them to stop what they were doing, but correcting them on how to do it properly. He didn't say stop all this nonsense with tongues and prophecy and interpretation and this chaos in the church and you oaks have communion and some get drunk and some go without. He didn't stop that. They had to do communion. He wanted the gifts to function. He wanted to see the kingdom of God come. So he instructed them how to do it. But when he went there, he said, I'm not coming with wise and persuasive words. I'm not coming cerebrally. I'm coming under the anointing of the Spirit. I'm doing so well with time. I'm so proud of myself. He doesn't, he doesn't use the what we know key to unlock heaven. He uses the who we know. I came to you under the Spirit's anointing. The Apostle Paul was the most learned man in the New Testament. I love the scripture in Acts. I think it's 438. I, I, I often do this. I live in Muesenberg, and I go to Cork Bay. I walk to Cork Bay. Their son said to me, I should walk a bit. So I said, no, I do, bro. I do. do. <laughs> I said, it's 3Ks from Muesenberg to Cork Bay, and then I have to walk back. He was impressed. What I do is I go... <laughs> Listen, stop it now. All right. I'm an old guy. Just show me some respect. <laughs> Besides, this has taken a long time to build. And I'm not just getting rid of it like that. My cardiologist just said to me, listen, you need to. I said, I'm Kidwell and Company. I'm a, I'm a corporation now. He said, okay. <laughs> That's a sign. I go to Cork Bay Harbor, and I wait for the boats to come in. Obrur as iemand net een verkeerde ding daar, as die boete inkom, kan die ouwe so vloek, hulle verander die kleur van die, die, die licht. The, the color blue changes, want, yes, hulle vloek, vreselik. Jesus chose men like that. He said, Peter, come, James, come, fisherman, come. We think fisherman, Peter and James, are, ah, the Lord, oh, hallelujah, Jesus, <laughs> No, no, no. they were fishermen, friends. Where did the fishermen pick up, our fishermen pick up the value system that fishermen have today? From previous fishermen. They were fishermen. Jesus had a zealot in his group. Zealots hated Romans. They'd go kill them. Like in Cape Town, you've got Lavender Hill. It sounds beautiful. (laughs) Lavender Hill, just go in there. I helped a guy plant a church in Lavender Hill. One Thursday night I was in this little shack on the lean-to from Auntie Julie's flat. That's where we used to meet. It was raining like this. We had buckets all over. And they said, Pastor, I so you need to be so you need to Okay, Leh. Except for I said, who He said, the gangsters get my caribater. And you listen. The bullets are flying. I think, what am I doing here? I'm in Lavender Hill. I'm planting a church. Lavender Hill. Beautiful. <laughs> Jesus is in Lavender Hill. Because people go to Lavender Hill. Why did I tell you that story to plant churches? I use the key of who I know. There's a guy in the church, his name's Dino. And on Friday nights Dino does chicken and chips from his I thought, I'll go support Dino. I we'll go by chicken and chips. I couldn't find Dina, so I was driving around on Friday night in Lavender Hill trying to find Dina. On Sunday, I preached at the church. I said, Dina, I couldn't find you. He said, What do you mean? I said, Friday night? Because he said, Pastor, you can't hear, do So you do it, skipman." When you don't know, you don't care. I didn't know. Now I know. <laughs> now I know. now I know. Now I go in in daylight. And I go in that way so that I don't. Because why? I know. How do I know? I've experienced it. I've experienced it. You don't unlock heaven with what you know, you unlock heaven by who you know. The world says, Brother, I, I was speaking to somebody. He said, You want to buy a car, I said, Yeah, he said, I've got a contract with you. We buy cars, he knows, he's done. I think that's good. He said, No, he's a, he's a Christian guy. I don't know Christians, if you sell second-hand cars, if you sell second-hand cars, God bless you, but I don't know how you can sell second-hand cars and be a Christian, but that's another stone I'm joking. <laughs> he said to me, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And in the Christian life's exactly the same. In business, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Connections, make a connection, meet a guy. Christianity, you meet the man. You meet the band. And he unlocks things for you, he unlocks the possibilities of heaven. Huh. The world says, Show me and I'll believe it. Show me. Show me. I dare you, show me. You speak about healings and deliverance and show me. No, it's not the way of faith. The way of faith is I believe it. Then I see it. I believe first. Believe. Believe. Not just, yes, I believe. No, believe and walk in the way of Christ. I believe now because I've seen miracles. Before, I just said, no, show me a miracle. And then God said, well, you pray for that guy. You do that. I was telling them the story of praying for a blind lady. She said, blind in you know what? <laughs> my faith was leaking out my shoes. I had little faith. But then I remembered God said, if you've got the faith the size of a mustard seed, and a mustard seed, they say, is by a claim put my hand on her and I prayed for her she said oh that's better I said what I believed and then I saw she believed and she saw (laughs) you guys are sharp I'm right it's like (laughs) Peter and John went up to the temple they walked past the gate called beautiful there's the man begging he was asking for arms gave him legs (laughs) They said, we don't have arms, bro. We don't have arms. We give you legs. Arms meant money. I don't, what I've got, I haven't got anything. But what I have got, I'll give you. We've got, you don't go to the arms account. We've got an arms account. These are the scriptures I want to end with. Ephesians chapter 3. It comes from the New Living Translation. They can't help me. He says this, may you experience, may you experience the love of Christ, though it is great, it is too great to understand fully. I love that. I want you to experience it, but actually it's too big for you to understand. What? I want you to just believe. I want you to believe. And I'll tell you the story now. I'll lead the scripture too, from Philippians 4, 7. Then you'll experience God's peace, which, e- which exceeds anything we can understand. So it goes beyond my understanding. I lost my wife four years ago. God said to me, you will never understand, but I want you to learn to trust me. Oh, God. Can I just ask you why. I just, uh, you never understand. I want you to trust me. I'm trusting him. I still don't understand. I mean, I'm the guy that's, you know, like ready for heaven. <laughs> I'm a doctor's delight. I walk in, they look at me, they think, yes, bro. it's not long now. Huh? <laughs> I said to him this way I said, I was brying with my weeper, and the guy said, Did you swallow your old one? <laughs> I've, you know, I'm ready my, my wife was fit she went to gym she dragged me to gym I used to go to gym one guy came to me one day he said I was looking at this woman doing sit ups on the other side he said he said oh my word it's Jeff's wife she was, she was in the gym she loved it I hated gym I hated it with a passion rowing on the treadmill Going nowhere. And, and not even fast. Just going nowhere. She loved it. And then she dies. And I say, God, he said, I don't want... You, you'll never understand. One day. You see, we look through a glass darkly now. We see, we can't see. Have you seen those pictures when the girls walk past a car and they've got these darkened windows and they stop and touch up and then the guy puts a window down. I'm <laughs> sorry that's how we see, we can't see we can't, we can't see but one day we'll know but this is, this is it when we know, now we can know I can know now I can know now the joy, the joy that's set before him is for me I can be a happy chap I don't have to be a miserable grumpy old git at my age why? I've lived, I'm ready to go whenever you want me Lord, I'm ready to go some young man was quite rude and he hinted that it might be sooner than I think. I'm not a Greek scholar, but I know a little Greek, and he's got a cafe down on the corner near where I look. <laughs> now, now we've got a now I've got a Greek in the congregation, so I don't have to lie anymore. I said, "No, nah, don't, no, nah, no." There's my little Greek that I know, and he's a little chap. To know in the Greek means thus. It's the word is. Now there's scholars here, and I'm probably not pronouncing it right, but you know what? It doesn't matter. It means to be aware, to feel, to be resolved, to experience, to know experientially. That's the word when Paul said that you may know. That you may know. He wants you to know it experientially. The Greek word for knowledge is um, gnosis. He says this, this love surpasses knowledge. We, we can't work it out. He said that word is gnosis. That's what it means. It says it means what can be stored in the human brain or in the data banks of the human mind. As I said, some of us are too clever for our own good. You don't have to be clever to be a Christian. You, you don't have to be clever. You, you've got to be clever in this respect that you acknowledge Jesus. That's the best decision you'll ever make. And some of us think him out of our understanding. Yeah, but you know, what about the pygmies? What about the pygmies? Well, how are they going to know? I don't know how they're going to know. But God's got a plan. God's never, you never take God by surprise. Okay, Lord, what about the pygmies? Are you ready for a two-day conference for me to explain to you about the pygmies? God might say, oh, no, no, well, then just shh. You here now, the word is for you in order to know this love that goes beyond our natural ability we must rely on the holy spirit because he brings revelation the church is full of knowledge we need revelation and it comes by inspiration and it changes us into new people listen I went to a conference. I went I went I went to a conference when i still had a proper job in Joburg. My brother was there. And he said stay for the weekend we've got a camp on. I'm, I don't think I was saved. I might have been anyway. Okay, go. And this guy got up to preach. And he didn't use the Bible. He recited Romans chapter 8. Word for word, the whole chapter. And people sit That is amazing. I said, he's a Burke. Because his heart was not in it at all. He was trying to be clever. But his heart was cold. His heart was cold to the people. And he preached, I'm the man. I've got knowledge. You Wally. Sorry, Walter. (laughs) That means nothing and your heart is touched by God and you change your heart and you see him as he is because you believe and then you see him that changes you the Holy Spirit said he will come and make Jesus real can you put up 16 John 16 12 to 15 this is what Jesus said he said therefore no 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 I have much more to say to you and I do more than you can bear because it's getting late <laughs> but when he the spirit of truth comes and he's going to come he will guide you into all truth he will not speak on his own he will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come he will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you all that belongs to the father is mine that is why i said the spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you what did jesus say what did Jesus say when they said, "We'll do this"? He said, "I only do what my Father tells me." What did the Spirit say? He'll only do what I tell him, because he's, he's me. The Holy Spirit is God. He's not some vapor that appears and disappears. And, you know, in the English, we say the Holy Ghost, and you picture a guy in a in a in a sheet, you know, with two holes. Here comes the Holy Ghost, and then he's gone again. And yeah, I see him now. You don't now. He's God. He's God in spirit form. Jesus was the man God. And he came to tell the world. He came to show what God is like. Because he said to Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's what he came for. The Holy Spirit will do that. How does this happen? It happens by Romans chapter 5. That's what it says. Therefore. When you see a therefore in the Bible, you've got to know what it's there for. Therefore, so he's talking about in chapter 4 being justified. He says, therefore, having been justified by faith...